do I just not want to do a hard thing because it's hard or do I not want to do a hard thing because it's not right for me? And figuring out that distinction, I mean, it took me longer than I would have liked. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies, Babatunde, and we are here for another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. And I'm just really excited about this next guest, Sabrina Merchant. So I'd love to tell you a little bit about her before we dig into her story. Here goes. Sabrina is a sports writer for SB Nation, the sports arm of Vox Media. She directs the company's national women's basketball coverage, both NCAA and WNBA, and also hosts a weekly NBA podcast. She began her career as a sports writer and podcaster by freelancing for various media platforms, including The Athletic. She covered the Clippers for Sports Illustrated and worked on the NBA news desk for Dime Magazine. In addition to her work at SB Nation, she co-hosts a YouTube show about the WNBA called The Step Through which I highly recommend. And Sabrina is also a founding member of the WNBA chapter of the Professional Basketball Writers Association. Sabrina graduated from Duke University with a BA in history. And before attending Duke, you could find Sabrina kindly answering whatever last minute questions I had before an exam in high school. Yes, Sabrina and I went to high school together. Sabrina has always just been so kind, confident, and willing to help others. She is a wonderful human, and I loved learning more about her story. So let's get to it. So we have Sabrina Merchant, one of my friends from high school, here to chat about her career, her life, her journey, and we're just super excited to have you. So thank you for joining us, or joining me, as yes, it's just me, on No Straight Path. And before we dig in, I actually want to tell a quick story just about how we both got here on this podcast today, uh, because I think it basically speaks to the importance of storytelling. And I remember I put up this blog post about the bar exam and how I failed the bar exam. And you commented on that post and you said, and I don't exactly remember what you said, but you said something about like, thank you for sharing this. I remember the shame that is attached to failure. And I'll always remember that because it was so comforting and inspiring to know someone like you who, for me, the smartest girl in my high school, (laughs) to know that feeling and to to share that with me. And And then I knew from that, just that statement, that you had a story to tell. And I am so excited to have you here to share that story but it just talks, it speaks to the power of storytelling and sharing our stories and how we're able to connect through that. So just wanted to share that really quickly. But as I said before, Sabrina is a sports writer now, and we're going to talk about how she got there. So Sabrina, I just want to start first with you, just like, let's start from the beginning. Let's, let's talk okay. about childhood, Sabrina. Okay. <laughs> childhood, Sabrina. Okay. Yes. So I think we have to start with the fact that I am the daughter of immigrant parents. And the experience of growing up in a family where you were first generation American is just a little bit different than if your family has been here a little bit longer. Your families just have different priorities about, you know, what they think is important for their kids to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, that sort of manifested in all school all the time. The most important thing I could do was bring home good grades, finish my homework, you know, academically, that was really the, the end all be all of things in my family. 
And so that meant that this is so silly to think about now, but like in, in elementary school, I really wanted to be on the basketball team and my parents wouldn't let me because uh, we had religious school on Saturday mornings and that was going to conflict with those games. So every year I would just hang out with the basketball team and their coach, you know, when I was waiting for my parents to pick me up from school and they'd ask me like, why don't you join the team? I was like, I can't, I have things to do on Saturdays that do not allow me to be here, (laughs) which is so funny to think about 25 years later, given the profession that I'm currently in. But, you know, that was a community that I was a part of. My religious community was very important to my family because that was something that connected us to back home in Pakistan and just a group of people that they felt comfortable with raising their children in LA. So when I was growing up, those were basically two main pillars of my life was my religious community and then school. And fortunately for me, I was very good at school. Like you mentioned, whether it was the extra emphasis that my family placed on it, or just the fact that I'm naturally blessed with, you know, a good memory and some other gifts that make schooling a little bit easier for me than most. I, I always succeeded quite well academically, especially through high school. It wasn't like I didn't put the work in, but I am would be disingenuous if I said that like I had to work as hard as some other people to get even like lower grades than I did. So I love that. Sorry to interrupt you, but I do. Yeah. I love that statement because that is true. Because I was working very hard to be like Sabrina, <laughs> <laughs> and I would ask you questions before exams, and you were always so helpful. Like, well, this you just do this, and you just do this. You know, yeah. you had this very matter of fact mm. tone, and it was I loved it. But that <laughs> that's great. They were very self aware because that is true. This is all. Yeah, and I mean accurate. I. I like to think that I took advantage of those gifts because, you know, I didn't, I didn't settle for anything less than the absolute best because I knew that I was capable of it. And I always assumed that that would just carry on throughout the entirety of my schooling. And like you, I went to a really good university. I went to Duke and at the beginning, things were basically as they were in high school, you know, for my freshman year. And then I started to realize that it was not always going to be that way, that I would have to work much harder in college than I would in high school. And at the time I was pre-med, another, I guess, immigrant family sort of thing. Like there's an idea that, you know, being a doctor is just about the safest profession you can enter. And it just makes sense for, you know, you want your kids to enter the medical profession. So I was pre-med and I had no qualms about that. You know, I was a really good science student in school and it just sort of made sense that I would pursue a career that was stable and would put me on a really comfortable path for the rest of my life. But once I got to college and had to enter into that pre-med academic track, it was really hard. And it was the first time that I had been in a situation where I was struggling academically. And it's hard to ask for help in those situations when you've never been in a position to ask for help. I was never a student who needed to seek out like extra lessons from a teacher or needed a tutor, even though I did a lot of that on my own and should have realized there's absolutely no shame in that fact. But I struggled to accept the fact that I was not in the same academic space that I was in high school. So eventually, you know, I got over that and I started asking for help, but it still wasn't as easy or comfortable as schooling was in high school. And at the time I thought, oh, well, everybody just goes through this in college. The top 10% in college are like basically all the students who are at my school and 90% of them are no longer being the top 10%. So this is just what happens. And I sort of had come to accept that, but schooling was just not as fun for me as it was when I wasn't doing well. And I wasn't sure if that was because, oh, hey, I only like this stuff when I'm the very best, or maybe I just don't like the classes that I'm involved in. Like it was just a lot to process mentally. And at the same time, you know, you're living on your own in college and it's just a lot of other 
life challenges being thrown at you at the same time, in addition to just academics. But suffice to say, the grades that I ended up in college were not the same caliber that I had in high school. And when it came time to apply to med school, I just sort of needed a break. I was like, well, I'm not sure that this is like the resume that's going to get me into the type of schools that I anticipated going to. But at the same time, I don't want to settle for something less because, you know, I can take a little time and, you know, take a couple of science classes, you know, at a local college and beef up my GPA a little bit and we'll fix it and it'll be fine. But once I got out of college, it was, gosh, it was so hard to rationalize this pre-med thing. So like I kept telling people like, oh, I'm going to apply to med school. That's the plan. Like I had gotten a job in a lab at USC and everything was nominally on that path towards still attending med school. Like plenty of people take time off between undergrad and grad. Like it's not like it was out of the ordinary for me to come back home in that interim. But right. all the while, I I don't know, I just had a really painful pit in my stomach that I was doing something wrong and sort of decided that maybe the reason why I am so, I don't know, not to say uncomfortable, but like the reason why I'm not achieving the same way I want to in this particular fast is because maybe I'm not supposed to be going to medical school. Mm. And that was just a difficult thing to process because number one, like my parents had paid for my undergrad, they wanted me to go to medical school. It sort of felt like, Hey, I'm supposed to reward this opportunity by attending medical school. And then the second thing was, like you said, I was a very high achieving student. And it sort of seems like when you're a high achieving student, you're supposed to have a very high achieving career afterwards. And at the time, like, yeah, I was working in the lab, but it wasn't I don't know. I didn't feel like I was superwoman or anything by the work that I was doing. You know, I I had started tutoring again on the side just to fill in the hours, but nothing about my post-college life felt like, oh, I'm living up to the potential that I showed earlier in my academic career. So that was all just a couple of years of trying to figure out what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. How how did you feel during that Mm -hmm. time? Coming back, you're working in the lab, you're mm-hmm. tutoring on the side. You're supposed to go to law, I mean, to mm-hmm. medical school. But... I see some of your own stuff creeping in there. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> Speaking my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, do, can you just tell me a little bit more about that and how you're feeling at that time? Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I felt very embarrassed because, you know, I had gone to school with so many other pre meds. I think at Duke, two thirds of the undergrads or something start out being pre-med. It doesn't end up being that way, but like a third of the class ends up going to medical school. And the vast majority of them had ended up at med school immediately after graduation. So a part of me was, oh God, I'm behind. I am missing out. Like I have done something incorrect, you know, to leave me a year already off the path of everybody else. And not like everybody else in my LA life knew that, you know, they just thought, oh, Sabrina came back from Duke and now she's going to apply to med school. Like, this is great. But internally, like there was a lot of, oh God, I've screwed up. I'm already behind. I need to fix this before like more things spiral out of control. But then there was also, I don't want to go to medical school. (laughs) Like I didn't like the experience of working in the lab. I preferred tutoring significantly more, even though it wasn't necessarily a career, so to speak, that I was working towards. I just, the, the process of taking the MCAT and filling out applications was, oof, it was really, really stressful. And, you know, I, I couldn't figure out whether it was stressful because, oh, it's supposed to be stressful. Like applying to college was stressful and applying to grad school is supposed to be stressful. Like these are just things that you have to do that are hard, but you get past them. And 
it was so uncomfortable as to whether like, do I just not want to do a hard thing because it's hard or do I not want to do a hard thing because it's not right for me? And figuring out that distinction, I mean, it took me longer than I would have liked, you know, for, for three years, I was basically just like in purgatory, like, you know, still tutoring, trying to figure out what came next. And, you know, eventually like I latched on with like an actual tutoring company. So like it was a job job, you know, it wasn't just something I was doing outside, but it still didn't feel like I was doing anything purposeful, you know, towards the rest of my life. And yeah, it was just a really stressful time because, you know, it's supposed to be so much fun. Like you're out of college and you have a real life and you're an adult and you can do things again. And internally I'm just, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, what comes next? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how did you tell me how you got out of that? What was Mm -hmm. the next step? Yeah. So kind of, uh, just on a lark, um, a friend of mine who has been a friend of mine since like the very beginning of my life, he was born like three months after me in LA. He sent me a link to apply for this Lakers fan site just to like apply to write for them. So I feel like I may have buried the sports part of this in my original description of my life. Giant sports fan, uh, grew up in LA as a giant sports fan. It was not something that I like really participated in when I was a kid because of just other considerations. But I, you know, was a manager on the high school football team. I wrote for the school paper when I was in college, all the while thinking like, this is super fun, but I'm not going to do this professionally because this is not what I'm supposed to be doing professionally. But it's it was always a, there, you know? Yeah, it was so always there. You wear those, what do you wear Lakers jerseys to high school? You know, I don't think I even had a Laker jersey until- you did it? Uh, okay. I feel no, like I until like my exactly. 19th birthday or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe you talked about it a lot. I remember you loving basketball yeah. and it was kind of like this, this odd thing. For you yeah, and that we had because I was box. super nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> no, no, this is a absolutely accepted fact at Beverly Hills High School. Is I was super nerdy, and then all of a sudden Sabrina shows up and is manager of the football team senior year and is like hanging out with football players and talking with them. Not so exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a different side of myself that revealed itself. And another thing that just sort of happened completely by accident that I did not try to do. I was literally sitting at the bus stop one day and. Carter Pacinger comes driving by and he just sort of stops at the bus stop and is like, Hey, we're going to come to my office tomorrow. <laughs> and that's how that happened. Wow. Oh, yeah. Man. These just little moments of people who are inserting themselves into my life and saying, Hey, I think I know what you should be doing. have just been very helpful to me throughout the last I love that. It's so how you can yeah. go back and look at your story and mm-hmm. pinpoint the small moments that led mm-hmm. you to where you are today. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, I, I have this friend. He sends me this link to apply to write for this fan site. It's a, it's an entirely unpaid job. It's just, it actually was the fan site at the company that I currently write for at box media. But so I, I submitted an application, you know, I have truly excellent references because I've written for student newspaper Duke, like regardless of the fact that it was a couple of years ago, I think I'm probably more qualified than the majority of people who choose to start blogging about sports because of four years of writing about Duke basketball. So I just started doing that, you know, a couple of times a week I would write about the Lakers and it was, it was weird because the role that I was in was just so different than anything that I had done at school, but it was fun to just have a group of people to like talk about the Lakers with again. And I've always liked writing and I wasn't really doing any of that in my professional life. So, you know, I, I just not even, I would say a couple of times a week, like a couple of times a month I was writing things and it was very infrequent. I wasn't sure if it would lead into anything because like I said, it was unpaid. It was just me 
hanging out, like occasionally posting on this site where people have like screen names, like Lakers fan forever and like, you know, things like that. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a serious thing to me, but you know, I just kept at it for a couple of years and eventually the, the leadership changed at that site and the new editor was somebody who I felt very comfortable with. And so I reached out when he got the, the lead job and it seemed like they were on a path towards professionalizing, I would say like the operation at the site. And that was something that really appealed to me because I kind of thrive in structure, you know, not that I'm not individually motivated, but it helps to have, you know, deadlines to hit and it helps to have markers to, you know, work towards. So once that site became like more of a, like I said, professional operation, you know, I reached out and said like, Hey, I would love to be like an actual contributing part of this, but you know, like a, a paid contributing part of this. And it worked. And I got like a weekly column at this site. Sabrina went on to describe the snowball effect. She started covering the Clippers, Lakers, and then the WNBA. She said that the pace at which everything happened made her realize that she was good at this work. And perhaps a big reason why she was good at it was because she liked what she was doing. It was fulfilling work. She said that everything just started to make sense again. And the timing was great. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George signed with the Clippers shortly after she'd started contributing to the team full time. She got some great opportunities and was able to cover a winning team. After talking about some of these highlights, I asked Sabrina to share some of the lessons that she learned. So I also am just curious about like looking back now, you know, what would you tell your younger self or what would you tell younger people? just about your journey? Because I think a lot of people could relate and then they probably see themselves in you coming from an immigrant family, being really smart, school coming pretty easily, but you go mm-hmm. become a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Do you have any advice for those, those people? You know, I, I thought it would be really hard once I decided not to pursue a traditional career path to let my parents in on that. And I thought they would be really disappointed. And it, it just wasn't the case. I mean, our parents have an idea of what's best for us. And yeah, maybe it's a more limited idea than what we imagine when we're younger, but really that's that's all it is. They just want what's best for us. And if that happens to be like, you know, writing about basketball instead of, you know, being a pediatrician, like that's totally fine. So long as it's something that works as a job and fulfills me. There was like a brief period where my dad, like, I, I have a full-time job as a sports writer. And he would say, oh, you know, USC offered her to come and do a seven-year program, become a doctor right out of high school. And it's like, dad, that was like 15 years ago. Why is that the thing you're leading with when you introduce me to people? <laughs> so I, I realize a part of, they still want to hold on to that part of me sometimes. And that's fine. Like, I, I love the fact that I was a super nerd in high school and people remembered me that way. And, you know, I was just a real academic success story. Like that was, that was a good part of my identity, you know, and letting go of that was, was hard for me too. I can understand why it's hard for my parents, but I guess the, the advice is just, it's so burdening to care about what other people think. Like, even if they're the people you love most in the world, it's just an unnecessary stress to make all of your decisions based on what you think they're going to want. Like making yourself happy is just the most important thing because it just makes you able to support them then like I am a useless person if I'm not happy so doing the things that fulfill me that make me 
happy to wake up every morning and go to work. Like that makes me a better person for every aspect of my life. So I guess that was the first piece of it was I just had to stop worrying about what everyone was going to think about me. And the fun part is, is I was so worried about saying like, oh, I'm not going to medical school anymore, but like going out and seeing people and being like, yeah, I just was at the Clipper game last night, you know, like talking to John Morant. And it's like, I mean, that's kind of cool too. Like that's the fun thing to share with people. So that was the first thing, just you have to take care of yourself before anything else is even possible. And then I guess just not worrying about changing things, you know, like when I, when I got into this field, I was so worried about being behind again, because there's so many people who are in college when they start doing what I was doing or like the people that I work for at my company, like one of them, when we got hired for the same job, like I'm 29 years old and he literally has just graduated from Arizona state. And it's like, crap, like you have so much more time to get good at this than I did. Or like, it's really not that important to like be the first to do something. Like as long as you get there, I think it's okay. And, you know, another thing that sort of held me back for a little bit, was just, oh God, like, can I get back into media after so many years away? Like, won't I be just chasing everyone else who has been at this? And it's, it's another thing where I was again, worried about what everyone else is doing instead of just focusing on me. And like, if, if you are passionate about something, if you're good at something that obviously helps, but it's never too late to try to do something, I guess is what I've learned. So those are the two main things. No, that's, that's such great advice. And I completely agree. I recently, someone told me recently that there's no wasted experience. Mm-hmm. And so all of these different steps in your path helped you get to where you are today and it's informed your perspective. And so it might be at a different timeline than so-and-so, but we can't really compare ourselves to that person. Right. And, and it's human nature. We all do, mm-hmm. you know, especially in this day and age when it comes to social media and everything is just so visible. Other people's lives can be just so visible. And so it's hard to not compare yourself, but you can do it. (laughs) Going back to that mantra, Mm -hmm. this is my path. This is my journey. It doesn't Mm -hmm. look like anyone else's and I'm proud of it and I'm embracing it. And I think that's something that's been very helpful for me too, because I felt like that. And we, we've talked about my story yeah. You know, especially just being a little behind when it came to passing the bar exam and seeing other friends move on with their careers. That was challenging. Mm-hmm. And look at me now. So <laughs> here practicing law and it's all fine. It's not a big yeah. deal. So yeah, I love that. And one other thing, just because I do think we're, it's changing the way that we look at success is changing a little bit now, especially in light of the pandemic, people are starting to value time. They're starting to value happiness, family mm-hmm. a little bit more. I think we, we've always known that these are things are important, but when it comes to how we highlight success in society, it's often attached to a certain amount of money, a certain amount of prestige. And so I guess I wanted to get your perspective on what success looks like to you. Yeah. That's something I think about all the time and it's just com- continuously evolving the way I've approached success, like you said, especially over the last 18 months or so, you know, I, the job that I would have wanted before March, 2020 looks a lot different than the job that I want now because of how I think about work and how much of my life I should be devoting to work. But I guess at a very basic level, success is just being in a position where you can pay your bills and, you know, have the freedom to live a life outside of work. That's the baseline of how I would define it. I, I used to think that it was attached more to, like you said, prestige and the, the types of positions you're in at work. But 
just thinking about how much time like Americans spend at work really bums me out these days. And the idea that I, maybe I don't have a job that's like, as I don't want to say like, it's not worthwhile, but like, I'm not, I'm not changing the world, let's say with the work that I do. Maybe I'm not, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, you know, there's different levels. Right. There's when you, especially another thing that I think Mm -hmm. that we have to think about in the pandemic is just like what sparks joy. And what Mm -hmm. I've noticed is sports is a huge sparker of joy. It is a way to connect people, bring people together, bring back that competitive nature. Mm-hmm. You can go walk in the store, especially the, the, the Dodgers game. This is terrible. Yeah. I know nothing about <laughs> baseball, so I can never contribute, but I find that it is a way that people are just excited about yeah, it. It sparks yeah. a lot of joy. And so I agree. There's definitely a difference between a doctor saving someone's life mm-hmm. and the work that probably the you and I both do. But it doesn't mean that you're not changing the world. So Sabrina, yeah, I, I guess, I guess the way I should phrase it is there's not a lot of like tangible product to what I do. Like somebody who like, let's say is a doctor and like actually, you know, identifies an illness or helps someone like get braces or like fills the cavity or something like those are tangible outcomes to their work. And yeah, I can say like, Oh, I wrote four things today, but like, it's not the same thing. Right. And I guess part of my career path was sort of limited by that scope as to, I want to do something that like is meaningful. Like if I'm going to be spending all of my time at a job, it should be something that, you know, has a real effect on the world. And like I said, that was, that was kind of limiting because as you said, sports are pretty great, right? Like in the conversations that I have now, like on my weekly podcast, like it's not even just about sports. It's about oh my God, so much of it's about like class and race and science and all of these other things that intersect, you know, with that industry at this point. And yeah, maybe that's not the same as literally healing someone, but I do think that my, my idea of success was so like single-minded, you know, like there were certain professions that represented like the, the peak of like achieving, you know, and the fact that I'm not in one of them doesn't mean that I'm not like achieving. Like I, I have to, the things that I have to do on a daily basis, like I think are very useful for my overall development. Like just the act of interviewing people on a regular basis, I think is really good for social skills, you know, and just developing empathy and getting to know people. Um, that's, I think that's a very useful thing for me to do. The act of writing, I think is just great for my brain, you know, to have to exercise that part of it, be able to communicate ideas, like you said, tell stories. I think it's all really great. So yeah, maybe I'm not like, you know, writing about the government or the pandemic on a regular basis, but Hey, like, I do think the fact that I have a job that's like I said earlier is intellectually engaging and like, it's fun to work with on a regular basis. Like that to me feels like I'm pretty successful now. Like I, I like to go to work. I have a job where thankfully there's a lot of time flexibility. So I'm not you know, beholden to a calendar at all times and just the, the, like the soft skills that I get to engage in, I think are, are really helpful for me just as a person. I love that. That is, you are successful and I appreciate you sharing your story with all of us. This is, it's been so wonderful. I guess I just have one final question mm-hmm. and I just am curious about, you know, what's next? What are your hopes and dreams? If any, are you, yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. My mom really wants to be on television. So that's uh, something to always keep in the back of my mind. 
I love that. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I did mention that I'm trying to fulfill my own, you know, hopes and dreams for anybody else's, but when your mom says something enough, it just, it sticks in your head. Like you can't help it. So if that is ever on the table, it's something that I'm looking forward to. But for now, I, my goals for what comes next aren't really in terms of a new position. It's just developing the things that I can do individually better. Like I want to become a more, the, the type of writing that I've done over the past few years has been a little bit more analytical, which just vibes with the way that I think. Like I'm a, I taught math for a long time. Like I, I like to think in terms of numbers and reasons for things happening. And I would like to evolve into more of a vivid storyteller, more emotional things like that. So that's something I'm hoping to work on. And ideally I'm like the person that ESPN calls when they're talking about the Clippers and they pull the Sabrina version in Los Angeles. Like that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Right now I, I want to just focus on being better at things that I currently do in my own role. And then hopefully that leads to bigger and better opportunities down the line. I love that. And I'm sure that it definitely will. Okay. I know I said that that was my last question, but you know me, you know, I love to talk. So I actually, <laughs> I realized that you might have other things to share just about your journey or advice or anything that perhaps I didn't ask the specific question. I just wanted to know if you had anything else that you think could be helpful for other people navigating their mm -hmm. uh, path, which is clearly not linear uh, when yeah. it comes to career, personal. You know, I think one of the things we didn't talk about was I'm a woman of color in the sports industry. And I don't think about that on a regular basis, but every time I see a picture of like a a press conference or like a little huddle, I am struck by the fact that, oh, there's nobody who looks like me in this picture. And it's not something I ever considered to be a barrier to entry, which thank God, because there were so many other internal insecurities I was dealing with when I was, you know, making this career change. But I would hope that I guess like the demographic makeup of the career you want to enter is no longer something that we'd have to consider. And I know that that's pie in the sky thinking like it's obviously much easier for some people to get certain jobs because of who they know and you know the backgrounds that they have but I'm just very grateful that I had just a tremendous amount of support you know as literally the only brown woman I've seen in like any media thing I've done for the NBA or the WNBA like there are obviously you know more and more black women and black men entering this space but like I saw a, this is just entirely useless, but the Clippers were playing Memphis a couple of weeks back and Memphis hired an Indian woman head coach, assistant coach last year. And she wow. is one of maybe eight or nine women assistants, which is supremely cool in and of itself, but the only one who is legitimately brown. And I saw her and I kid you not just like stopped in my tracks did a double take and I was like, oh shit, this is cool. Like, yeah. I just watched her and it didn't occur to me how much representation meant, you know, because possibly because I just don't see it in my line of work, but it makes me very proud to be in this space where not a lot of people look like me. And that's not the reason I got into it, but I do think about that from time to time where like, hey, like there are younger girls in my religious community who know what I do and they think it's super cool. And I didn't have anybody like that. And maybe if I had somebody like that, I would have seen it as a more realistic path when I was growing up. So I don't mean to like toot my own horn or anything, but I, I am very proud of the fact that I am where I am 
considering the demographics of my career. And it's not, again, it's not why I got into it, but I'm happy that I'm at this place where someone who is 10 years old now can look and be like, yeah, hey, I mean, Sabrina does that. Like, why couldn't I do that? Right. No, I mean, and thank you so much for bringing that up because it's so true. And it's something I did notice. And I, and I, even when you were just so, such a huge sports fan when we were in mm-hmm. high school and being, you know, Pakistani, like right. that was a little bit of an out of, out of place. Yeah. Thing. And I love that you've been able to take that passion and create more representation in the sports field for Brown women. It's extremely important. We can count on our hand, the number of Brown women in really visible spaces. Like, mm-hmm. like, thank God we have Kamala Harris who, who she does at least yeah, really. She got both of us covered. Yeah, both of us. Exactly. So, but she's a mix of the two of us. You know, we are Kamala Harris. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, just her, even just becoming VP, putting more Indian women, like the struggle and the stories of Indian women out there. I think she's done that. I don't think we've, we really haven't seen it. And so you are pioneering that space and it is important. And I'm so glad that you embrace that, that you recognize that. And I'm excited to see what you do with that. And I'm here to support whatever initiative. And we'll definitely in the in the show notes on my website, we'll have all the things that you're associated with. So any way we can support you. But I just appreciate you so much. Thank you for thank you coming so much on for no having me on. Yeah. And thank you so much, like you said at the top, for sharing you know your story about the bar and your career and just making it really easy for me to relate to and want to respond to. So I think you're doing a really cool thing here and I am very interested to see where it goes. Thank you. 